Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning at 6 o'clock. Glad you're up and at them early here on the 50,000-watt front porch as we bring you our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, plans for a permanent Pulse Memorial will be unveiled today. And the House votes to replace Obamacare. I know you'll be talking about that after the news. I absolutely will, Deb, because health care reform that had no pulse has been revived. A vote slated for today. The latest next on Good Morning Orlando. The Thursday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 102.5. Photos, posters, and other mementos currently outside the Pulse nightclub in downtown Orlando may soon be moving to make way for a permanent memorial to the 49 people killed at the club on June 12th. Pulse owner Barbara Poma will unveil her plans for the memorial at 9 a.m. today. Poma had agreed to sell the club to the city of Orlando, but changed her mind in December. Since then, money to build the memorial has been raised via the One Pulse Foundation. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The House votes today to repeal and replace Obamacare. House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy says Republicans have the votes to pass the measure. President Trump and Vice President Pence have been working to whip up votes among House Republicans for the bill. A major sticking point has been making sure pre-existing conditions are protected under the plan. The first GOP health care bill collapsed in March with a lack of support from some conservative and moderate Republicans. I know they wouldn't put this out there if they didn't have the votes, but it looks like it's going to be the skin of their teeth if it passes. And I'll be commenting on this. It's not full repeal and replace that were promised by the Republicans for years, Deb, and uh, a very uncertain future when it moves on to the Senate. More just ahead. Back here in the Sunshine State, Governor Rick Scott declared a state of emergency Wednesday to fight the opioid and heroin epidemic in Florida. The executive order will allow $27 million in federal funding per year for the next two years. That money will go toward prevention, treatment, and recovery support services. Governor Scott is also requesting any additional funding needed to combat this heroin epidemic. He'll get that money by either transferring appropriated money, tapping into surplus funds, or taking from the budget stable Stabilization fund. The effort is just one of many by Florida lawmakers to crack down on this epidemic. FBI Director James Comey says he agonized over his decision to announce a reopening of the Hillary Clinton email investigation 11 days before the presidential election. In a Senate hearing yesterday, Comey said the thought that he may have influenced the election makes him, quote, mildly nauseous. Comey also defended his decision. He said concealing the discovery of new emails before the election would have been catastrophic. Shortly before the election, Comey made a follow-up announcement that nothing new was found in the renewed email probe. Pretty compelling stuff with Comey yesterday. We'll be commenting on it. And, uh, you know, that I was mildly nauseous sound cut. We will hear that from the FBI director in a couple of minutes, Deb. Puerto Rico is filing for bankruptcy. The U.S. territory yesterday announced what amounts to the biggest local government bankruptcy in U.S. history to restructure its $70 billion of debt. The move comes a day after its creditors sued the island over that debt. Puerto Rico has been in a recession for nearly a decade and has an 11 percent unemployment rate. It's also lost about 10 percent of its population in the past 10 years. Many of those folks moving right here to central Florida. Overseas, Britain's Prince Philip is no longer going to be carrying out royal duties. Word came from London uh, this morning that the 95-year-old husband of Queen Elizabeth II will step down. There had been widespread speculation about an announcement from the royal family uh, after the Queen called an emergency meeting for early today, and that announcement was expected to be a death announcement. 
Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, will turn 96 this June. And they say, listen, flags are not at half-staff. They just needed to make this announcement. Oh, yeah, it was shrouded in mystery Always and uh, huge news in uh, in the U.K. But it, but it, at least he's still going. And, still going. Um, and more to come on all of this. And finally, may the force be with you this May 4th. Yeah. Today, people around the world will celebrate Star Wars Day. Now, the unofficial holiday honoring Jedi, droids, and the Force doesn't actually get its roots from a galaxy far, far away. I it's really saying. interesting because I thought it did. It's a, a famous line, the, may the Force be with you. Right, you know? and the, you know, it just kind of <laughs> lines up perfectly with May 4th. May the 4th right. be with you. That's, right, and you do it with a list, exactly, but it's funny. Exactly, yeah, I was right. kind of thinking it was a modern type thing, but instead it actually dates back to 1979 in Britain. This would have been around the time the original... Star Wars was in movie theaters. Okay. Uh, when Margaret Thatcher was named Britain's first female prime minister or around that time, because where else would have they Yeah, I think Star Wars came out in 77, but 77. I think it was still huge news in 79. Oh, yeah. So what does Thatcher have to do with this? Well, to celebrate her victory, uh, when she was named Britain's first female prime minister, uh, her party took out an ad in the London Evening News yeah. saying, quote, may the fourth be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. Ah. The catchy pun has since been the unofficial greeting for Star Wars fans on this unofficial holiday. But many companies like Amazon, Target, and Toys R Us are offering real deals in honor of today's Star Wars Day. Man, oh man, I'm not used to getting a history lesson at six <laughs> minutes after six. That's pretty cool. Thanks, Deb. You're welcome. I'm not used to giving a history lesson at six <laughs> minutes after six. But right now, WFLA News Time at 6.07. And you can read about in a quest for YouTube views, a couple loses custody of their kids. Hmm. Yeah, there's... Whoa. Yeah, it, it, it's a family that's gotten a lot of press lately because they lost two of their children because of these viral videos. They kept trying to up the ante, push the envelope, mm-hmm. cussing at their children, yeah. uh, physical fights, just a lot of things that made people just think, you know, you don't need to be having children. But you can read the story for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. I'm going to go to the website. You can also see the winning entry announced yesterday in our 50,000 watt front porch contest. Really great stuff. And uh, Sandy from Winter Springs is going to be joining us on the 50,000 watt front porch among the many prizes that she receives for her winning entry. Really cool to see that. But really even cooler. What's up, Deb? No, I was just going to say I I was impressed with the fact that out of all of the great prizes she got, you know, gift certificates to buy jewelry, a rocking chair from Cracker Barrel. Right. She was most excited about her morning to yeah. come in and spend on the 50,000 watt front porch. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, but that's a lot of pressure now. Not nearly <laughs> as cool like you were about to say, bud. Wait, what was that voice? Exactly. <laughs> Holy smokes, we got it's our Yaffe. Back. Did you already forget about me? <laughs> He's back. There were yes, a lot of people no. calling in thinking, is this a Bill Riley vacation? He's not <laughs> yes. coming back, and we you know, assured man. him that Yaffe will be back, and you are. How was that yes. vacation? It was good. Wonderful time, but glad to be back. Up in upstate New York, huh? Yep, yep. Uh, weather's kind of crazy up there. Cold, like <laughs> oh. freezing one day and then oh. hot the next day. Oh, yeah. for a Florida boy, that could not have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to hear that your voice. Okay. Great to see your face. Welcome back, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. Well, good to see you guys. Yeah, and it's great to have you back. Bryce, great to have you with us all three yeah, hours exactly. screening, buddy. Welcome aboard. Thank you very much. All right. We're on the 50,000-watt front porch. You're with us. That's good. We're going to dive right into the revived health care vote. Uh, Bill, it's going to be voted on, it appears, in the House today. What's in this thing? 
and what's going to happen to it ultimately. My take and yours just ahead. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Republicans have been desperate to cobble something together that the lawmakers in the House can take back to their constituents on their next break, which is next week. Weren't they just out for two weeks around Easter? Gee whiz. But at any rate, at any rate, something they can say, listen, you know, this is the best we could do on the longtime promise to repeal and replace Obamacare. It is not full repeal and replace, but it definitely dismantles a lot of key elements of Obamacare that is imploding and collapsing all around us and the people of this country. So the House is going to vote today on this reworked Republican bill with a key amendment that garnered enough support that they believe they have the 216 votes to get this passed with no hope of getting one single vote from any of the Democrats, okay? The bill advanced out of the Rules Committee last night. Now, the key was this amendment, okay? Republican representatives Fred Upton and Billy Long met with President Trump and a couple of other members of the House for about an hour yesterday, and uh, they have flipped their votes from no to yes on the health care bill. The president committed to backing the amendment that Upton and uh, Long came up with that involves spending $8 billion over five years to fund high-risk pools to go toward patients with pre-existing conditions, and thereby, with those high-risk pools and that special pool of money, everybody else's premiums don't go up to handle the costs of claims filed by those with expensive pre-existing conditions, okay? As far as these, um, the, the waivers, the state waivers are a key to this. The amendment adds $8 billion over five years. There are many who think that's not going to be enough to fund high-risk pools that go toward patients with the pre-existing conditions in states that seek waivers under the GOP plan, okay? Now, as far as the waivers are concerned, the GOP bill would allow states to relax some key Obamacare projections or protections of those with pre-existing conditions. States could apply for waivers to allow insurers to offer uh, more modest policies that don't cover the 10 essential health benefits mandated by Obamacare that drive premiums through the roof. Also, insurers would be able to charge higher premiums to those with medical issues if they let their coverage lap. States um, requesting waivers would have to set up programs like high-risk pools to protect insurers from high-cost patients, okay? And one thing that does get left in place here uh, is that you can still keep your kids on your insurance plan until they are 26. The uh, Republican health care bill would eliminate Obamacare taxes on the wealthy, insurers, and others, and get rid of the individual mandate imposed by Obamacare. That's a biggie. Instead of the Obamacare subsidies that are tied to income and premiums, the Republican plan to be voted on, we're told today, would provide Americans with refundable tax credits to purchase health insurance based mainly on their age. Yaffe, you've been a real student of uh, health care and health care reform. Um, I'm going to assume they wouldn't put this up for a vote unless they had the votes. I think it'll be a squeaker. they got to get 216. The Democrats, I have no indication of a single vote coming from that side of the aisle. What's your take on what they're about to do today? Um, It seems a lot better than the last plan. It's just kind of sad that we still don't really have a full repeal, and we still have a hard time getting the votes to pass this, even without a full repeal. And after it goes in the House, what's the Senate going to do? 
It's just a really frustrating issue. I think it's a real mountain to climb in the Senate. Yeah, and, then, and, that, and that's and, a big and issue. McConnell's not going to change the rules, he's told Trump, you know, to allow this thing to go on 51 votes. It's got to be uh, it's got to be 60 votes, and they're never going to get there. Yeah, so they that's going to be a real problem. They have 52 Republican senators, but with no help from the Democrats, I don't see how they get to 60. So yeah. I think they go home and they say, and the president can claim a legislative victory just outside his first 100 days. Everybody goes home from the Republican House and says, we did the very best we could. We passed a version of repeal and replace and kind of like get out of Dodge on this health care nightmare and move on to tax reform. I think that's what you're going to see. Yeah. And by the way, I really like the tax reform, too. So there you go. Well, we'll be talking a whole lot more about it. And we <laughs> yes. have in your absence. Nice of you to drop by. You certainly look rested. <laughs> thanks, Mike. <laughs> it's good to have you here, Mike. And thanks to Tom Benson for doing such a fine job filling in for you on a very tough show to do in terms of engineering it and producing it from the control room. You know, after the July 5th announcement that it wasn't going to file any charges against Hillary, all the Republicans hated James Comey. And the October 28th announcement of the, um, of the, uh, the reopening of an investigation into Hillary Clinton just before the election, all the Democrats hated FBI Director James Comey. Do you know what? This guy may be stumbling around a little bit and caught in really unusual and awkward situations. I watched him yesterday. I think I'm a pretty good judge of character. I mean, I've interviewed people for a living for my entire career in the news and talk business. I think I can spot somebody, you know, who's a good guy or a bad guy. I think he's fundamentally a good guy. I think he's kind of a Boy Scout, as a matter of fact. And I think he really does want to do the right thing and serve this country. Let's listen to FBI Director Comey now on his dilemma in late October, less than two weeks before the election, when he went public about the discovery of emails relating to Hillary Clinton on the laptop belonging to Uma Abedin's husband, Anthony Weiner. This was terrible. It makes me mildly nauseous to think that we might have had some impact on the election. But honestly, it wouldn't change the decision. Everybody who disagrees with me has to come back to October 28th with me and stare at this and tell me what you would do. Would you speak or would you conceal? And I could be wrong, but we honestly made a decision between those two choices that even in hindsight, and this has been one of the world's most painful experiences, I would make the same decision. I would not conceal that on October 28th from the Congress. One of my junior lawyers said, should you consider that what you're about to do may help elect Donald Trump president? And I said, thank you for raising that, not for a moment, because down that path lies the death of the FBI as an independent institution in America. I can't consider for a second whose political fortunes will be affected in what way. We have to ask ourselves, what is the right thing to do? And then do that thing. Uh, you may agree or disagree with Comey at one time or another, but when you watch that, Yaffe, I, 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 I believe with all my heart the man is 100% honest and sincere. There are things he can't talk about that are classified. The Republicans were mad at him yesterday because he wouldn't have anything to do about the ongoing secret investigation into alleged collusion between the Trump team and the Russians and the Democrats were really unhappy yesterday and went for his throat saying, you're the reason Hillary lost, which, of course, Hillary had just said two days ago. And we played that cut on yesterday morning's show. Uh, am I am I naive on Comey? Or do you think I've really I that, that I really have this man pegged? Honestly, that's what I thought. I agree with you. Basically, I thought the same thing when I watched it. He was pretty much put in a really tough position. And I started to think about what if he didn't reveal that 
to Congress before, and then it was revealed, and then there was something to those emails, right? And it was revealed after the election. Could yeah. you imagine the backlash you would have faced then? So it's like it's kind of a no-win situation. It was. For him. He said. He said I had two decisions to make. Yeah. One was really bad, and one was catastrophic. I opted for really bad. Exactly. You right. know. He also had very interesting comments um, on Russia backing Trump. He said it went during the election. He says, "Yeah, they did because she wasn't Hillary. He wasn't Hillary Clinton." Putin hates Hillary and wanted to harm her in any possible way. Thought he could make deals more effectively with a President Trump. And I think that may ultimately prove to be the case. He also said something that harkens back to the 2012 campaign where Obama, during a debate, mocked his opponent Mitt Romney for saying that Russia was really our number one enemy and our greatest threat. Okay, you remember that. Yesterday, Comey said Russia is the greatest threat, poses the greatest threat of any country on earth, given their intention and their capability. Interesting how that came back. Yeah, Romney was prophetic in a lot of things, we're finding out. Did you say pathetic? <laughs> no, prophetic. Oh, prophetic. Okay. Prophetic. I, just to, <laughs> I know what you said, but I just wanted to make sure everybody heard it. You know, I mean, you know, I get emails all about yappy all the time, so some people don't hear things <laughs> yeah, too exactly. clearly. Prophetic is what he was. Saw the future for what it would be. All right, great to have you with us. Deb's coming up with the news here in just a moment. More on plans for a permanent Pulse Memorial locally will be unveiled today. She'll give you what she has on that. Governor Scott threatening to veto the current standing budget. Very, very big day in local news, only hours from now, Deb, and that's your big story as we get everybody updated here at the bottom of the 6 o'clock hour. Yes, that, you're right, bud. This morning, Pulse nightclub owner Barbara Pomo will reveal the details of the permanent memorial that will replace the temporary memorial honoring the victims of the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. Posters, toys, and candles have multiplied outside the nightclub where 49 people lost their lives almost a year ago, coming up quickly on June 12th. Poma was going to sell the property to the city for $2 million, but then changed her mind. Her announcement is scheduled for 9 a.m. I'm really glad she kept control of that. Um, and, I am, too. Uh, yeah, I, I, and however this comes down, um, I'm, I'm glad it will be her essentially making the decision. Exactly. Take the city out of it. Yeah, exactly. We'll be talking about what exactly it is she does uh, tomorrow. All on right. the 50,000-watt front porch. And, of course, uh, in subsequent newscasts throughout the morning, after she makes her announcement this morning at 9, we will also have those details. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Governor Rick Scott is hoping the Court of Public Opinion will get lawmakers to restore funding to a couple of his favorite programs. Lawmakers instituted cuts to visit Florida and Enterprise Florida, and Scott claims lawmakers are engaged in backroom dealing. They've turned their back on their constituents. And on, on top of they're doing this in, in, the, not in the sunshine. They're, not, they're doing it behind closed doors. We don't know what's going on. I haven't seen the final budget. The House Speaker, however, has been upfront about his reluctance to fund those programs, calling them corporate welfare. The Florida legislature, meanwhile, will be going into overtime to pass a new state budget, but that may not be the end of it. For the first time since he became governor, Rick Scott is talking about vetoing the entire budget. Senate President Joe Negron says that would be unfortunate because the Senate did what it could for him. The Senate has fought hard for the governor's priorities the entire session. We funded Visit Florida at the amount requested by the governor. We funded 
economic development. But the House Speaker refused to back those priorities, and when the deal was done, the Senate had caved and the governor lost. He's now in the midst of a three-day statewide tour, trashing the budget and trying to whip up support for a veto. However, Governor Scott is poised to sign a bill that will require the public to receive notification of pollution spills within two days of discovery. The Florida legislature passed a bill yesterday that requires polluters to notify the Department of Environmental Protection within a day of a spill. The DEP would then have a day to report it to the public. This legislation comes in the wake of that massive sinkhole at that uh, fertilizer plant last year near Tampa oh, yeah. that sent millions of gallons of contaminated water into Florida's main aquifer. The incident went unreported for a month. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Thank you, Deb. Right now, let's get on up to the uh, Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City and bring in Gina Cervetti with our Thursday morning, a.k.a. Friday Eve edition of the Bloomberg Business Report. Good morning, Gina. But good morning. Hey, let's talk stocks on the Wednesday trading session. And uh, you've been checking out the futures. What do you see? Mm-hmm. The futures look good this morning. It looks like we're headed for a higher Wall Street open. We have some stuff ahead today that we'll watch for, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Meanwhile, yesterday on Wall Street, we had healthcare and media companies declining. Banks were higher, even as the Federal Reserve left interest rates unchanged. But you may remember they raised rates not too long ago. The S&P lost three points, or about a tenth of a percent and closed at 23.88. The Nasdaq was down 23 to 6,073. The Dow managed an eight-point gain and closed at 20,958. And what do you have your eyes on for today, Gina? We have a few things to watch for. We have updates on the labor market, the Bloomberg Consumer Comfort Index, and durable goods uh, orders. We have the House voting on the Obamacare repeal today. Lots of earnings to watch for, including those from Viacom, Kellogg, and CBS. Dunkin' Donuts did report this morning. It issued a mixed report in the latest quarter, but it raised its earnings view for the year. The parent company, Dunkin' Brands, they own Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins. Uh Aha. You know, in our next segment here in Good Morning Orlando, we're going to be talking about what Facebook is doing now to uh, cut down, if not eliminate, this mayhem we're all too often seeing on social media. You happen to have some Facebook news for us from Bloomberg this morning. What's the story? Well, the shares are down a bit this morning, and that's because Facebook reported its earnings late yesterday. The latest quarter was actually very strong. Revenue climbed 49% to $8 billion, beating estimates, net income beat projections. Facebook reported a 17% jump in monthly users to just over $1.9 billion. However... The shares are down a bit this morning because the company also repeated a warning that there is a limit as to just how many ads it can put in our news feeds because users get turned off. And investors didn't like hearing that because, of course, advertising is a huge source of revenue. Absolutely right. And again, Facebook from another angle in our next segment moments away. But, Gina, before you go, I mean, you know, the when we think about the invention of the telephone way back in the 1800s by Alexander Graham Bell, I mean, through most of our history since then, everybody's had those traditional home phones wired into the wall, the so-called landlines. 
they're apparently falling more and more out of favor, aren't they? Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, the majority of U.S. homes have at least one cell phone, but no landline, according to the latest federal data. Almost 51% of American homes fall into that category. Younger adults, those who rent, people living in poverty, and Hispanics were more likely to be living in homes with only wireless telephone, uh, cell phones. But I'll tell you something, Bud, um, there is a case sometimes where at least for us, we try to get rid of our landline phone, but it came bundled in a deal tied to better rates for the Internet. So yeah. we still have it, and yeah. we kind of wanted to get rid of it, but we just uh, weren't able to make that work financially for us. So you have to wonder how many other people are in that category as well. Yeah, we kind of are as well. I, I think largely, though, this is a generational thing. I mean, I mean, the younger the members in our family and circle of friends are that we talk to, uh, you know, when you go to the younger group there, they don't have a landline, you know, and they never will. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's very interesting to see this trend continuing, as you stated. Thank you so much, Gina. Have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you tomorrow morning for another Bloomberg Business Report. All right. Thanks. You too. You bet. Hey, we're uh, rolling on from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. And, uh, yeah, Facebook is taking uh, dramatic steps, getting serious about stopping the social media mayhem we've been reporting on and you've been hearing about, the Facebook Live killer, etc. And uh, we will talk about what they are doing in a moment. I think it is worthy of praise And believe me, we'll give them a little love here from the 50,000-watt front porch in the halls of power at Facebook. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. In fact, in two minutes for you on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. You remember the Facebook Live killer nightmare, and there have been other situations where there have been people trying to commit suicide live in front of everybody else, all these millions of strangers watching them on Facebook or some other social media outlet. Uh, As a matter of fact, we just have a story in the news this morning in the wake of Facebook recently adding a suicide prevention tool to its live video feature um, that will give users of Facebook the ability to report someone who is live broadcasting their own suicide story out of Macon, Georgia, where um, uh, suddenly there was a teenage girl trying to kill herself and she was up on Facebook live. There were a slew of calls that came in uh, to 911. The cops went out there, and they got there in time. They found her unconscious but alive, and she has been saved. On the issue of Facebook taking responsibility for this mayhem on their social media, I salute the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. Listen to what he is going to do. Zuckerberg writes and posts on Facebook, of course. Over the past few weeks, we've seen people hurting themselves and others on Facebook, live or in video posted later. It is heartbreaking. I have been reflecting on how we can do better in our community. Zuckerberg goes on. If we are going to build a safe community, we need to respond quickly. We are working to make these videos easier to report so we can take the right action sooner, whether that's responding quickly when someone needs help or taking a post down. Over the next year, this is key, and this is expensive, we will be adding 3,000 people to our community operations team around the world on top of the 4,500 we already have today to review the millions of reports we get every single week and improve the process for doing it quickly. But it's going to be more than more than just more eyes and more ears on what's up on Facebook to intercept 
this kind of thing, a Facebook Live killer, a suicide, or whatever it happens to be. Zuckerberg also noted that Facebook plans to make it simpler for users to report issues so the entire process of reporting a problem and being reviewed is a seamless quick turnaround. He says, in addition to investing in more people, that they are building better tools to keep our communities safe. Yaffe and I talked about how hard that would be to do and whether they could do it with better technology. Zuckerberg says, absolutely, and we're going to make it happen. He says, we're going to make it simpler to report problems to us, faster for our reviewers to determine which posts violate our standards, and easier for them to contact law enforcement if somebody needs help. As these become available, they should help make our communities safer, and I think he's right. Zuckerberg also, in conclusion, announced Facebook's intention to more efficiently curb what he called hate speech, along with other violations of their terms of service. We need to avoid shutting down the cherished First Amendment, but there's no place for hate speech, and there is no place for this voyeurism that goes on as people watch somebody engineering mayhem or their own deaths on Facebook. Guys, what do you think of Zuckerberg's plan? Uh, I like it. I mean, I think Facebook really had no choice. They had to do something like this. It's going to be impossible to prevent every situation, I think. But I mean, to have some kind of deterrent and make it, you know, as hard as possible for people to do stuff like that on Facebook. I don't have a problem with it. What about it, Bryce? Well, I think with great power comes great responsibility. You know, the Spider-Man quote. Great line. Yeah. And it's they have the technology to do it. I mean, you have keywords. If something says suicide, it pops up, and then they have a whole team that can jump on it. Yep. I mean, I just did research to see what an intern at Facebook makes, and it's $8,000 a month. So they have plenty of money to pay a team to do this. If they can pay an intern. I mean, intern. do the math. That's hundred grand a year. <laughs> exactly. I know. And that's an intern. Somebody's Gee, in where's? college as well. I'm in the so, wrong career. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in the wrong career right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. So they got plenty of money. They just need to do it. Sure, sure. But, you know, I mean, earlier on when all of this kind of controversy was beginning to um, uh, come apparent to us, there was a sense that, you know what, the public needs to police its behavior. The problem is not ours. We're simply giving people unfettered access through Facebook, Facebook Live, whatever it happens to be. But but I'm sorry, the responsibility, uh, people are not going to do that. Most do, but some don't. And and we need to we need to do what we can to deal with this. And it has to come from the from the uh, the halls of power in these social media giants and none bigger than Facebook. And I think that's what's best for their business. Honestly, I mean, they're going to try to do what's best for their business. And it's not good for their business. Facebook to have these murders happening live on their social media network. There is no question about that. All right. We're going to continue right now. We're putting in the uh, sound judgment segment in this hour of the show to give some folks up and at them early a chance to win a great prize. The only way to play and win is to be on the phone right now. We're opening up the 50,000-watt front porch for sound judgment. 407-916-5400. Call me now. 407-916-5400. Particularly want to welcome first-timers. You're going to have a great chance and a great time and a, pl- a chance to win a terrific prize, which we'll announce here in a moment. Once a day, we play the Sound Judgment game. We're playing it right now. And, Bryce, let's talk about the prizes. You can win a pair of tickets to the 2017 International Christian Film Festival today through the 6th at the Wyndham Resort in Orlando, plus a copy of the Barry Manilow's new CD, This Is My Town, Songs of New York, available now. It's Barry's love letter to the Big Apple. This album features 10 new studio recordings, half original compositions, and half standards, but all evoking the spirited energy of New York City. A great gift idea for Mother's Day. 
All right, fair enough. Couple of prizes up for grabs, and that's the biggest Christian film festival in the world, right in our own backyard. The producer passes run of the place for three days of stunning, spiritual, inspiring entertainment you can't get anywhere else. Are we ready? As we discussed um, earlier in the show, FBI Director James Comey was back on Capitol Hill yesterday testifying about his decisions relating to Hillary Clinton's emails, etc. Now, this morning, for our sound judgment game, I really don't care what you think of Comey or what he said yesterday. I only care how tall he is, and Comey is really tall. Listen, then use your sound judgment to tell me how tall Jim Comey is. And the Anthony Weiner thing landed on me on October 27th, and there was a huge, this is what people forget, new step to be taken. We may be finding the golden missing emails that would change this case. If I were not to speak about that, it would be a disastrous, catastrophic concealment. All right, that's Comey testifying sitting down, but he's a towering figure when he stands up. The question is, how tall is FBI Director Jim Comey? Let me start on line three and see how we do. Good morning, line three. Hello? How, good morning. How tall is he? I'm guessing six foot seven. No, but thank you for trying. 407-916-5400. That line is open up. You can win. Line four, how tall is Comey? Six eight. Yes, he is six foot eight inches tall, a towering figure for sure. And congratulations, you've won all the prizes we've got this morning on uh, Sound Judgment. I hope you're excited. I am. Honey, you're pretty low key this morning, though, but it is early, right? That's what I get for playing the game before 7 (laughs) o'clock. Got to have coffee. I understand that. I'm already working on my third cup here. I get it, totally. Listen, it's great to have you on the show, listening to the show, and we're really glad you played and won the game. We're going to send you uh, a note of congratulations if you'd be kind enough to give me your first name right now. Marco. Marco, M-A-R-C-O. Yes, everybody in the pool. Marco. <laughs> Marco Polo. Got it. Excellent. Where are you calling in from, Marco? Claremont. Good deal. Great town out there in Lake County. Don't go away. Bryce and you are going to have a conversation off air, and we're going to get you all of those prizes. Okay, my friend? Okay. But don't leave for coffee yet. But right after that, fill your cup, all right? Get fired up for the rest of our show here on Good Morning Orlando. Six foot eight. FBI Director James Comey. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you at the top of the 7 o'clock hour as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning plans for a permanent Pulse Memorial will be unveiled today. And a judge criticizes the USF football coach. We'll have the details in one minute. How do you feel about sign spinners? More and more towns are banning them. My take and yours next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Thursday morning. It's 7.04 on News Radio 1025. The owner of the Pulse nightclub that was the site of the worst mass shooting in modern U.S. history is announcing her plans for a permanent memorial at the property. Pulse owner Barbara Palma this morning is outlining her plans for a memorial at the nightclub where 49 people were killed and dozens more were injured last June 12th. The gunman was killed in a shootout with police after a three-hour standoff. 
Palma opened the nightclub in 2004 as a way to honor her brother, who died from AIDS. In the months after the massacre, the city of Orlando proposed buying the club for two and a quarter million dollars so the city could turn it into a memorial, but Palma ultimately turned down that offer. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A USF coach needs coaching in how to control his players. That's what a Hillsborough County judge said yesterday about football coach Charlie Strong while one of his players was in her courtroom on a sexual battery charge. Ladarius Jackson was arrested Monday on campus after Hassan Childs was arrested in March for a road rage incident. And Judge Margaret Taylor had a few choice words for Jackson. Your behavior is nothing short of outrageous. Mr. Jackson, I need to let you know that I graduated from USF. I'm an alumni. I graduated from USF in 1989, long before there was a football team. And while USF may not be the top-ranked school in the nation, I was never ashamed of being an alum until now. The 22-year-old defensive end is accused of forcing his way into the dorm of a woman, then sexually assaulting her. Strong didn't directly address the judge's comments. I think she's got a great point. It's unusual to hear that from the bench. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, any coach ought to be having a zero-tolerance policy and let them all know if any of this stuff is going on, you will never play it down for this school. You and know, and, and, that, and I don't think they do that by I and large. I do not. I agree with you, bud. And I think, you know, not only will you not play it down for this school, but you may never play it down in the NFL. Yeah. You know, I mean, sure. look at uh, what had happened to that top uh, FSU player. His stock really dropped when questions about his character started floating around. Absolutely true. Uh, three people are dead and at least nine others are injured after an SUV at an auto auction in Massachusetts ran into them. Police say a Jeep Cherokee driven by a man in his 70s lurched forward yesterday and drove through the auction building, striking the victims. Two women and a man were killed. The man driving the SUV was an employee of the auto auction. He was hospitalized. And they're not suggesting any malicious intent, maybe uh, an older driver right. who... Mistakes you know, the gas for the break and then yeah. panics once he starts yeah. going forward. Yeah. They're not expecting that this guy was trying to hurt anybody. No, but no, the not effect at all. was just catastrophic. It really was. I mean, it's, yeah, oh. it's 12 people injured. Oh, my. The Corinne Brown corruption trial, three of those uh, folks had passed. The Corinne yeah. Brown corruption trial is ramping up after a key witness testified. Brown's former chief of staff, Ronnie Simmons, told a jury at the Jacksonville Federal Courthouse yesterday that he regularly withdrew money from a charity connected to Brown and put those funds into the former longtime congresswoman's personal accounts. Simmons was originally arrested last year as a co-conspirator to Brown and agreed to testify against her by pleading guilty in a deal with federal prosecutors. Brown uh, faces a 350 prison, a 350 year prison sentence if she's convicted on nearly two dozen charges. And she herself is expected to take the stand today. Wow. Yeah. 350 years. 350 huh? years. <laughs> Hope she's going to have a big commissary account. Man, oh, man. Yeah. And finally, Casey Anthony is becoming more visible in public after moving to South Florida. I have a theory on this. The former Orlando resident was spotted Monday leaving a North Palm Beach bar during happy hour by TMZ. Anthony lives in Palm Beach County. Uh, she's become infamous since 2011 when she was acquitted on manslaughter and aggravated child abuse charges in the death of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. My theory is that, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, like I've said many times, I'm a big investigation discovery watcher, and they had recently done this three-part series on Casey Anthony. Yep. She strikes me as the kind of personality that as she gets more press, be it good press, be it bad press, she's she's just back out on the market, wants to see and be seen. Narcissistic. Uh, absolutely. A borderline personality disorder uh, case, if, if I've ever seen one. Yeah.
It's yeah. all about her. Yeah, you may well be right. That that thing, that sh- the series got enormous ratings. It, it really, really did. I watched did. a little of it, and it was pretty compelling stuff. It, I, You know, you got a chance to see from her father, from Jeff Ashton. You got right. to hear and see a lot of things that we didn't get to see as you followed the trial here in Orlando. Kind of our own version of the O.J. Simpson you know, rehash Very that much they did. So. Yeah. So that's my thing. That's what I'm thinking she's up to. But WFLA News Time at 7.08. Read about a teen's prom date. You'll never guess what it is. Her <laughs> Harvard acceptance letter. She's dating her letter? She's nope. going to the prom with she's, her letter? She's taking her Harvard acceptance letter to her prom. Really? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I think that's awesome. Does she kiss it goodnight? I mean, what? I mean... <laughs> It's a Harvard acceptance letter. I would kiss it on the hour, every hour. <laughs> okay. I Is it a good no... dancer? I mean. Who cares? It's a Harvard <laughs> acceptance letter. <laughs> you guys are missing the point. I guess we are. Yeah, as we frequently do. At <laughs> 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And as we roll on from the front gate realty studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. That disembodied voice was the voice of the formerly vacationing Yaffe, who is back with us on the 50,000-watt front Yeah, I decided to come back. Yay! He looks refreshed. It's great to have you here. He does. Tom Benson did a great job in your stead, but nobody can can really fill the shoes of Mike Yaffe. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Yeah, Yeah. you're welcome. We kept on getting these uh, people who were really concerned that it was a Bill O'Reilly-type vacation (laughs) from which he would not return which, Trust me, not so. No, I was going to no, say, no. if anybody thought that, they haven't been listening because there's <laughs> nothing about Mike Yaffe that he would have in common with a Bill Riley, uh, Bill O'Reilly vacation. All right, now you're going to bring the Bill O'Reilly callers down on That's you. That's right. It's just time for me to leave. <laughs> not quite yet, as we are about to hear. I'm taking up for these sign spinners. Good. Another local town is trying to shut them down. I don't like it. I don't either. But I'll tell you, there's something that's akin to that that needs to be shut down in Central Florida. I'll make that case as well. Coming up here in a moment. And, of course, stay with us for an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, Ocoee is the latest town here to vote to ban or severely restrict these roadside sign spinners. You know, folks who are probably working for minimum wage or a little bit more that are out there taking the name of a store. They want you to take a turn and come on in and check them out, getting the word out there. And they're spinning a sign and they're dancing all over the place, etc. cetera. Uh, and, and I don't understand why they're doing it. They say they are doing it, that they have voted to severely restrict this. And, and, and they banned it all together, apparently, in Winter Garden and other towns as well. Because it's too much of a distraction at intersections and it's a safety concern. I've yet to hear of anybody who was involved in a wreck that was caused by taking a glance at one of these sign spinners. These are low-end jobs that some people need, young people primarily, but not exclusively. And these stores that are not visible from the main thoroughfare... This is a great form of affordable advertising. They can't afford to put a big billboard up. That costs thousands of dollars a month to do that, for crying out loud. And and, and this ought to be permitted. This is the heavy hand of government at the local level. And I don't think we should be shutting down the sign spinners, do you? You know, I mean, I think they're entertaining. They're kind of fun. And I don't think that they cause a safety risk. There's a gazillion distractions people deal with in and out of their cars. People are not running off the road and into other vehicles and running down people because they have checked out for just a moment 
the sight of a sound spinner, a sign spinner. Do you know what I'm saying here? This is the heavy hand of local government. But I will tell you one thing that's kind of related to this that I think does need to be shut down, and I'd like you to weigh in on the sign spinner uh, restrictions and bans. By the way, out in Ocoee, they're saying, yeah, you can spin a sign in front of the store that you're advertising on their property. That is not the purpose of a sign spinner. That <laughs> They're trying to get attention for a store that you would not see otherwise, and the only way to do that is to be out there in the edge of the road. The problem I have is with at these traffic lights and big intersections, having people walk up and down every time the light turns red with buckets collecting for one cause or another. Not only do I think that's annoying, but I also think that is flat-out dangerous. You want to police some of this stuff going on, that's something you need to shut down, not the sign spinners on the edge of the road. Do you agree or disagree? Okay, that sign spinner thing is a Seems like a little story. What are you talking about that for, bud man? We got big issues. Because it is a heavy hand of government story. It really is. It's not their business to do that. There's no legitimate safety problem with sign spinners. Government, get off my back. 407-916-5400. And you're back to text line 23680. So now out in Ocoee, they've so severely restricted, restricted these sign spinners, they got to be on the property of the store, which totally defeats the idea of getting advertising beyond the storefront that most people can't see while driving down a major thoroughfare like, say, State Road 50 through Ocoee. Um, and if they violate this, they get hit with $100 fines a pop. This is ridiculous. This is, not, this is wrong. It really is. I like the sign spinners. Guys, are you into sign spinners? I've even thought that maybe when, if this radio gig doesn't work out, I might become a sign spinner. Oh, that, I mean, I don't know if I would go that far. It gets really hot outside. I don't know if I could be spinning signs, but I always liked them. I think it's fine. Never had a problem with them. What about it, uh, Bryce? A safety hazard? I don't think so. I've never seen any accident report that involved distraction from sign spinners, you know? No, no, it's, it's not a safety problem. I used to be the banana man for a company what? when I was in Were high school. You were one of the banana men? I was one of the men. Yeah. I, had a yeah. And <laughs> I brought I people that. joy every day. What is day. that like to do that job? As <laughs> oh, I, I, I had a big smile on my face the yeah. entire time. People were waving at me, little kids, you know, moms, old guys, all wow, this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was a great job. How I mean, much was, did you make? Oh, I made little to nothing, but... No, but what, a minimum wage or a little more? Yeah, minimum wage. Would that be pretty typical for a science spinner? Yeah, I was in high school's first job. And it's job. important. It's a first job type of job, right? It's like, you know, working at a fast food place or something. Exactly. Yeah, and why not? And people need those jobs. And the, these stores that can't afford big-time advertising campaigns, this is something that can get the word out and get people to pay attention and come on and shop. You know, it's good for the economy. It's just yeah, a- I agree. That's a big deal because you're right. Some of these small businesses, they can't afford anything else. It helps them. Darlene, are you smiling at the news from Orlando that we've got a former banana man sign spinner on our staff in Bryce? Yes, I think it's funny. And I actually, I wave at them and honk sometimes. I think those kids are creative. They give a little bit of a, a take a breath of fresh air when you're driving. There's somebody actually out there with a little life moving, having yeah. fun. Yeah. No problem. They need to back off in a Koei and Winter Garden. I mean... Give me a break. And these other towns that are shutting down the sign spinners. Thank you very much, Darlene. Great to have you on the show. On the text line, Yaffe, you got some incoming on the sign spinner controversy. Yeah, one person says this. He goes, 
We'll take care of those evil sign spinners today. Tomorrow, those greedy little lemonade stand moguls. Absolutely <laughs> right. Why, well, that's another distraction. You got a pretty little six-year-old girl out there. People are going to drive off the road. <laughs> We're going to shut down the lemonade stands. And yeah. besides, they're competing with the major soft drink companies. <laughs> Next, they'll bring Coke and Pepsi to their knees. There'll be millions of people out of work because of those little kids <laughs> with their cursed yep. lemonade stands. Yep, it's coming. It's Give coming. me a break. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, before we get into the serious news of the day, uh, Yaffe's got to take on the whole sign spinner thing. Don't tell me you were one of the banana men, Yaffe, no, like, like Price. <laughs> no, but I remember seeing him, actually, because he was over in my area of town when he was doing that. So really? the banana man. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, Bryce. You're now banana man. Forevermore. <laughs> you you, you peaked early. You is know? that my radio name? That's gonna be. It's gonna follow you forever. <laughs> once, once the lofty post of Banana Man, now the humble post of Call Screener. Right? Good morning, Orlando. Well, that's all right. You'll be back. Don't worry. Your best <laughs> well, yeah, days are when ahead. I, when I went to UCF, I'll never forget when I would come into school some days in one of the parks next to the lake. A whole group of sign spinners would meet and they would practice. You're kidding. And they would do routines. You're kidding. I, th- I was like, is this a competitive sport now? Is this... Like cheerleading or something. <laughs> like, it was the craziest thing. Oh, don't let marketing people hear you say that, because the next thing you know, every football game we go to, instead of a marching band, it's going to be just, you know, a bunch of sign spinners <laughs> coming out with, you Professional know... Professional sign spinners. Yeah, this game brought to you by, you know... <laughs> you know, when I first started working here at WFLA, um, uh, the head of our sales team here, her husband was a professional... And I don't know if he was spinning signs, but he was like he'd be in the gorilla suit on the on the corner, and he had a whole routine. And his wife said he made fifty dollars an hour doing that because he was he was so good at it and brought so much business, and he was a literally a real professional sign wow. spinner type. He'd yeah. be the guy in the gorilla suit or something, you know. Amazing. We're all rethinking our career choices right now, aren't we? Well, earlier we found out Facebook (laughs) interns make like $8,000 a month. Thank you, $56,000 a year. Yeah, Yeah. I've been carrying that around since I heard it yesterday. (laughs) Oh, this is one of those moments when it's pretty difficult to shift gears into what is a very serious local story that will unfold here later on this morning. Deb? At 9 o'clock this morning, in fact, but new details will be revealed on plans for a permanent memorial at the Pulse nightclub during During that morning news conference, Pulse owner Barbara Poma is expected to share her vision for establishing that memorial. She declined an offer last year to sell the gay nightclub to the city of Orlando, citing a personal obligation to the victims and their families to transform the site into a permanent memorial. 49 people died at Pulse, making it the deadliest mass shooting in modern American history. Poma says she eventually does plan on reopening the nightclub under the same name, but at a different location. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Like you said, bud, from sign spinners to fidget spinners. Yes, what in the world's a fidget spinner? Well, it was supposed to be a training aid to ease symptoms of ADHD, but like you said, it has turned into and it has turned into one of the hottest toys in the US. You're talking about attention deficit syndrome that yeah. some kids have. They just have no attention span at all, and there are ways to treat that. Exactly. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Right. That's it. But these fidget spinners are turning into a real pain for teachers. Uh, fidget spinners and cubes, get this, bud, are making up a whopping 46 out of 50 of the top-selling toys on Amazon. So hmm. there are only four toys for sale on Amazon that are not fidget spinners or cubes. 
That's a lot of children out there that are dealing with ADHD, and I'm guessing also autism, which also comes with ADHD. Hmm. The fidget spinners are small gadgets made with metal and ball bearings that you twirl between your fingers. Okay. That sensory kind of, you know, calms you down. Teachers in several states, though, say they're more of a distraction to students and staff. They're also being tossed around and can cause injuries. In fact, schools in Kentucky, New York, and Massachusetts have banned fidget spinners from their classrooms. No kidding. I kid you not. How about that? I had no idea. And finally, for this segment, speaking of schools, Mm -hmm. a student with a hot glue gun led to a campus lockdown at uh, Bud's alma mater, New York's Colgate University. What? A glue gun? Students were ordered to shelter in place for four hours Monday night while police investigated reports of a gunman on the campus in upstate New York. Students reported seeing someone carrying a weapon, but authorities say the threat Turned out to be a student using a glue gun for an art project. Oh, they're all they turned into a bunch of wimps up there. Students later took Too many to social, liberals. Students later took to social media expressing concern because the student with the glue gun happened to be a minority. Oh my goodness. A glue gun. A glue gun. That is pathetic. <laughs> my alma mater? Yeah. What has it become? <laughs> I'm gonna go up and turn it all around at my reunion here in a couple of weeks. Ooh. Hey, we're not putting up any of this stuff. No? You're going to show them your uh, closet home brewing technique? Is that what you're going to show the students? <laughs> Don't dip into the Budman's <laughs> sordid fraternity house past. Stop that. It's a great story. If you ever meet the Budman, ask him about the exploding bottles of beer. Of home brew. Of home brew yes, in it. the closet, in their dorm room. <laughs> You'll never look at him the same again. I have again. an idea. I'm going to be telling that story a lot, <laughs> thanks to you. You're welcome. I'm partially busted, <laughs> Deb Meister. <laughs> Al-Qaeda's mastermind, Osama bin Laden. We all remember 9-11. And all the mayhem, which to a degree continues at the hands of Al-Qaeda and other radical Islamic outlets, terrorist outlets like ISIS. Finally, we took down bin Laden. A SEAL team entered that compound in Pakistan, found him, and took him out. For the longest time, the specifics of how that went down were shrouded in mystery and speculation. But now the man who pulled the trigger and sent bin Laden to the land of the 72 virgins and permanent communion with Allah, ex-Navy SEAL Robert O'Neill is talking on British television. He has a new book he's promoting entitled The Operator. Now, O'Neill is the man who killed Osama bin Laden. And he also serves as a Fox News military analyst you'll see frequently. But here he is on a British morning television show this week describing how it all went down. When we finally got into the compound inside the walls, the other team had already been in. So they had already, there had already been shots fired and they'd already eliminated some of the threats. And I was actually looking at the compound, realizing this could be my last day on Earth. And I remember thinking... I'm going to I'm going to remember this. This might be my last day, but this is historic. And I'm looking at the house I entered and I was in a position where I was sort of behind when I entered the house behind most of my guys looking down a long hallway and just watching how cool everybody was, how professional, knowing this house might blow up at any time. But that they didn't hesitate. They did their jobs. They did it slow as smooth, smooth as fast. And along the way, O'Neill and his team of SEALs found bin Laden's son in the compound and took him out. And then they knew that bin Laden himself must be nearby. And I turned to the right, 
And standing there three feet in front of me with his hands on his wife, he was sort of, was Osama bin Laden. He was pushing his wife sort of towards us. And in that moment, just because I, I assumed he was a suicide bomber, he wasn't surrendering, he was a threat. That's definitely him, even though his beard is shorter. That's his nose. This is all the thoughts in the course of a second. Uh, I, I took care of him the way you take care of a suicide bomber, and I shot him in the face twice, and then once more when he fell down, because you need to make sure that threat is eliminated. I've been with... I've seen suicide bombers up close before, and it's very fast, very violent, very permanent. And you you need to get rid of them as soon as you can, or else the whole place is going to go up. Wow. Wasn't that compelling? I've never heard, maybe I missed something, but I have never, Yaffe, heard that description in such detail from the ex-Navy SEAL and Fox News military analyst Robert O'Neill, the man who shot and killed Osama bin Laden. That is compelling stuff. Yeah, I agree. The only clue I had to what really happened was from that movie, Zero Dark Thirty, about right. it. But what happened in that movie is a little different than what he explains here. So it's very interesting. That was the first time I heard it in such detail. Makes me want to read his new book out, The Operator, here. Oh, I'm um, sure it's great. Just incredible. What what an act of absolute courage. And he, he says further in excerpts of the interview, we didn't have time to play, that every one of the Navy SEALs was totally committed to doing this. Not one of them expected to come out alive. Yeah, they, they all they, expected they would die, and they were ready to go. Wow! At that, you talk about being made of the right stuff. I know. I don't know what that is, but these Navy SEALs and so many others in our military have got it. Yeah, he was expecting it to be his last day. I remember yeah. I heard that part Woo. of the interview. Wow! Compelling, absolutely. Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here at the top of the 8 o'clock hour on a Thursday as we bring you the very latest on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning plans for a permanent Pulse Memorial will be unveiled today. And Stephen Colbert responds to the Trump rant backlash. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Yeah, we're going to hear that rant really ugly. And we're going to talk about it next here on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning. It's 8.04 on News Radio 102.5. Photos, posters, and other mementos currently outside the Pulse nightclub in downtown Orlando may soon be moving to make way for a permanent memorial to the 49 people killed at the club on June 12th. Pulse owner Barbara Poma will unveil her plans for that permanent memorial at 9 a.m. today. Poma had agreed to sell the club to the city of Orlando, but then changed her mind back in December. Since then, money to build that memorial has been raised via the One Pulse Foundation. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In the meantime, lawmakers approved a bill yesterday that would rename two Central Florida roads after Orlando Police Lieutenant Deborah Clayton and Orange County Deputy Norman Lewis. The bill is now on its way to Governor Rick Scott for final approval. The legislation aims to rename parts of roads and bridges across the Sunshine State for 50 law enforcement officers, including Clayton and Lewis, both of whom were killed in January. A portion of Princeton Street between John Young Parkway and Pine Hills Road would be renamed Lieutenant Deborah Clayton Memorial Highway. That stretch of road includes the Walmart where Clayton was killed on January 9th. A few hours later after her killing, Lewis was killed in a traffic crash during the manhunt for her killer, Mark Heath Lloyd. A portion of Pine Hills Road between Silver Star and State Road 50, the area where he crashed, his patrol motorcycle would be renamed to First Class Deputy Norman Lewis Memorial Highway. Very nice and appropriate tributes, but your heart still aches and breaks the fact that we lost the two of them in the arrest and takedown of Mark Heath Lloyd. It really does. Oh. It was just such a sad day that oh, day. Oh, my goodness, was it? 
It may have taken longer than some would have liked, but the governor is coming around to a position critics have been urging him to. Governor Rick Scott yesterday officially declared the opioid epidemic to be a public health emergency. That means he can spend money to fight the epidemic without support from the legislature, and the state can also accept federal grant money. Clearwater State Senator Jack Latvala tells the Times-Herald it doesn't matter how long it took Scott to get to this point as long as he's done it. Britain's Prince Philip is no longer going to be carrying out royal duties. Word came from London this morning that the 95-year-old husband of Queen Elizabeth II will step down. There had been widespread speculation about an announcement from the royal family after the Queen called that emergency morning meeting for today. Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, will turn 96 this June. And finally, Stephen Colbert is responding to the uproar over his string of jokes aimed at President Donald Trump. On Wednesday night, last night's Late Show, Colbert addressed the backlash, saying Monday night he was, quote, a little upset at Donald Trump for insulting a friend of mine, end quote. He was referring to Trump cutting off an interview with CBS's John Dickerson. I had a few choice insults for the president in return. I don't regret that. I believe he can take care of himself. I have jokes. He has the launch codes. So Colbert did express some regret for the language, saying he, quote, would have changed a few words that were cruder than they needed to be, end quote. Yeah, we had to bleep what is the original rant from a couple of nights ago. You just played a cut from last night yeah. with him essentially doubling down. Um, and we're going to play that rant here. Uh, there's a, a firestorm on the Internet of people who are calling for this guy to be fired. Um, I think action needs to be taken, but not for the reason most say. We're going to get into it here shortly, Deb. All right. Well, I'll get out of your way, bud. WFLA <laughs> News Time. It's 8.07. And you can read about in a quest for YouTube views, a couple loses custody of their kids at 1025WFLA.com. My goodness. Yeah. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Celebrating the return of Yaffe from his week-long vacation, looking refreshed, and uh, it's great to have you back, Mike. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing in there? All right? Pretty good. Pretty right. good. We've got Bryce screening calls this morning, 407-916-5400, if you want to weigh in on what ought to happen to Stephen Colbert for the anti-Trump rant and the profanities, if anything, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Final hour today of Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. A little bit of a uh, scheduling change here. Starting today, we're moving Dr. Kronhaus' fantastic house call with breaking health and medical news into our final half hour. Instead of 8.20, you'll catch Dr. K on the house call at 8.40 from now on, starting today. And he's got a power-packed lineup you don't want to miss. But into the furor over Stephen Colbert's anti-Trump rant. Here in a moment, we'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. That's not, that's actually kind of funny, but Stephen Colbert, I've never thought is particularly funny. And I thought he was downright obscene and crude on Monday night's show, I think it was, his late show, early in the week, when um, he touched off a firestorm in the media. There are calls for him to be fired by CBS for what he said about the President of the United States. I think action needs to be taken, but not for the reasons that everybody else seems to be bent out of joint on this thing. 
Let me take you back for a little bit of perspective as to where all of this started. Also on CBS, in the news division last Sunday morning, their weekly news interview show called Face the Nation with host John Dickerson was interviewing President Trump. And uh, Trump doesn't care for mainstream media outlets like CBS News. Puts him in the category of fake news. And he, at, at one point later on, beyond the cut you're going to hear now, actually cut off the interview with, with Dickerson and said, that's it, thank you, thank you very much, interview over. Prior to that, here is Trump on CBS Face the Nation. This is what touched off the Colbert rant. This was Sunday morning, and listen. You know, it's very funny when the fake media goes out, you know, which we call the mainstream media, which sometimes, I must say, is you. But when the you fake, mean me personally? or uh, Your show. I love your show. I call it Deface the Nation. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Now, so Colbert also on CBS, he uses part of his monologue to rip into Trump. We had to bleep it out here in a couple of places. But this is pretty outrageous stuff. Let's listen. Mr. Trump, your presidency, I love your presidency. I call it Disgrace the Nation. You're not the POTUS. You're the bloatus. You're the glutton with the button. You're a regular gorge, Washington. You're the president, but you're turning into a real dictator. Sir, you attract more skinheads than free Rogaine. You have more people marching against you than cancer. You talk like a sign language gorilla who got hit in the head. In fact, the only thing your mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's holster. It's that last line in particular that is so far over the line, I think he needs to be suspended if not fired, okay? CBS has been silent on this. You heard Deb in the news played a cut where last night he was doubling down, said, yeah, I might have changed a few words, but I stand by what I said, okay? I'm a big First Amendment guy. I make my living because of the freedom provided by our founding fathers and the First Amendment to the Constitution, the right to free speech and expression, okay? But that is way beyond the pale. There are those who want him suspended or fired because they think he's offended minorities, suggesting a homosexual relationship somehow between Vladimir Putin and President Trump, that it's that he's homophobic somehow. <laughs> Give me a break. It's just obscene. We should not have that language on broadcast television blindsiding people. We used to have stronger regulations against that than we do now. But CBS ought to self-police and saying, politics aside, Mr. Colbert, there is no room for that on what we once called proudly the Tiffany Network. You're either going to sit it out or you're going to get out. And I want a public apology on your show for what you said. It's the obscenity that offends me. And has the bar been lowered so far in that regard in this country today that that doesn't offend anybody else? They're trying to play the homophobe card thinking, well, if you offend a minority, you're absolutely toast. Please, that's a real stretch. But it's not a stretch to say that kind of filthy talk should not be allowed on broadcast network television when it's coming at you 
and you have no way to get away from it. And that's my problem with Colbert. If I ran the network, I'd threaten to fire him. Next offense, he's gone. Right now, suspension. What would you do with Colbert? Are you offended by it? Or in this day and age, is nobody offended by anything? 407-916-5400 is my number. My text line is wide open at 23680. Well, you got my take on the anti-Trump rant by um, late-night, quote-unquote, comedian Stephen Colbert. Yaffe, Bryce, what do you think? Well, here's my problem with all of this. I really think that most people that want Colbert fired want him fired as payback for the O'Reilly thing and similar situations and want him fired over his politics and are not really as upset about the obscene comments as they seem to be. I think that's what all of this is about. They're tired of the double standard and they think, oh, we can now get someone on the left for this. And I don't think someone should be fired for that. But the obscenity doesn't bother you. That's a generational I mean, it thing, me. isn't it? It bothers me personally. I wouldn't watch it, but for him to get fired, it's one, it's the late show. Two, it was already bleeped out before it had the air. I just don't like, if you know, if people don't like it, don't watch it. Now, what about you, Bryce? I think it's kind of funny to see the, uh, you know, the left side doesn't do anything about it. And they matter, you know, like they blow it up to try to get more people to watch the next show. But on the right, they'll suspend waters or give them a vacation or they'll take O'Reilly off. I think it's just funny how sensitive the right has to be about these things when the left can just go free and say whatever they want and have no consequences. You guys raise good points in that regard. Let's bring in some of our callers. Don, you're in Wildwood. We got a little bit of a signal problem on the phone. Talk up if you can. Okay, bud. If you remember, the rodeo clown was fired for making the broomstick skit about Obama. I seem to remember that. All right. This goes way, way, way beyond that. So if you ran the network, Colbert's gone, right? Colbert's gone. Oh, yeah. All right. Got it. Thank you. What about you, Bob? You're in West Orlando checking in with the Bud Man and Company. Good morning to you, Bob. Hi. Uh, you know, I'm remembering that Alec Baldwin stood up on that late-night TV show, the one after uh, Jay Leno in about 98, and called for the people to march on Washington and kill Republicans. And what happened really? to him? Nothing. Wow. That one I had not heard before. Um, nobody would have heard it if I hadn't posted it on Free Republic a- at the time. Really? And then Fox News picked it up. And today, nobody remembers that Alec Baldwin, a man who abused his daughter on the phone. I bet you remember that. I do remember that rant. I don't like Alec Baldwin at all. Um, but we got to be careful with this stuff. But let me just say that one of the things that gets me, guys, the bar has been lowered to the point that nobody is wanting to get Colbert's head for the obscenities, for that kind of language. Yeah, they, they feel like it's more about the double standard. For, well, you know, and, and also that it's homophobic somehow, the Putin-Trump thing, yada da. Oh, that's, yeah. The, I agree with you. It's silly. The predecessor for Johnny Carson was a guy named Jack Parr. He actually got fired for using the term for a toilet live on the air in 1962. He said water closet, and it destroyed his career. <laughs> that's how far we've wow. come in that regard. On the text line, go ahead. Uh, yeah, but uh, like a lot of topics, this is pretty split. I'm getting a lot of people saying that um, it's hard to be upset at Colbert when the president has said even more obscene comments. 
in the past. Mm. Uh, I'm getting now when he said those things, he said them in a private conversation, which is a little bit different. But a lot of people, I'm getting a lot of people on the text making that point that the president himself is more obscene than Colbert. Mm. He's certainly not publicly so. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, that, what, that whole thing that was recorded on Trump and the bus and all that was just horrendous and indefensible, and I right. never have defended it, and I never will. But this is blindsiding millions of Americans on broadcast television and, uh, you know, uh, broadcasting in the public interest on the public airwaves. This should not be tolerated, and CBS should make a statement, and they're not doing it. Why? Because they hate Trump, and they're angry at him for calling them out as fake news. And that's what's going on, and that's why the Tiffany Network is silent. Well, that and uh, Colbert gets great ratings. He's getting really good ratings. Numbers are high, and that's part of what he did that for. You can count on that. Deb's checking in right now with a news update, and we're less than half an hour from a very important announcement locally, Deb. That's right, bud. When this morning, Pulse nightclub owner Barbara Poma will reveal the details of the permanent memorial that will replace the temporary memorial honoring the victims of the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. Posters, toys, and candles have multiplied outside the nightclub where 49 people lost their lives almost a year ago on June 12th. Poma was going to sell the property to the city for $2 million, but then changed her mind, saying she felt a personal obligation to do the memorial herself. Her announcement, as Bud hinted, is scheduled for 9 a.m. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Lake Michigan Bud will have its very first floating water park this summer, open in Whitting, Indiana. I don't know that I've ever heard of a floating water park, but it almost seems to fit the definition, doesn't it? It really does. What a cool idea. The floating water park will be installed on Whitting's Wihala Beach. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologize to well, uh, anyone the Hoosiers from Indiana. will be coming after you. If uh, well, you, didn't. you know that's that's only fair. <laughs> by the uh, German company WeBit, the three a uh, three hundred thousand dollar investment by the company will feature slides, towers, cliffs, tunnels, trampolines, and half pipes. The inflatable sports park will have different features for all ages. Costs haven't been confirmed yet, but will likely range in a very affordable. 10 to $12 for an all-day pass to access the park. Whoa! Can you imagine a park in Central Florida you could access for 10 to $12 for an all-day? Yeah, I, I wish somebody would really listen to that <laughs> yeah. and see whether they could make that happen around here. Well, pending final approvals, the park is expected to be open from early June until August. So maybe we could get them to bring this to a lake in Central Florida. Yeah, probably not. I'm thinking the Gators would, would add an, say, an extra water feature we probably wouldn't want to deal you're with. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah. You, You'd have to get clearance from the Gators, <laughs> yeah. and that's real hard. They have no sense of humor. Oh, no, they're not. Just <laughs> Danish police say a small plane with an entangled skydiver hanging under the aircraft oh boy. for about an hour was able to land safely. And this that, has a happy ending? This has a happy ending, bud, and the jumper only sustained bruises. Can you imagine? A police spokesman says the Cessna 182 landed Wednesday evening on foam, spread out by firefighters to cushion a grassy area at an airfield about 190 miles northwest of Copenhagen. Pilot Leif Johansson said he had failed to cut the static line, which is attached at one end to the aircraft and at the other end the top of the jumper's deployment bag. So he's literally dragging him around underneath the airplane. He said the landing was possible because the 45-year-old jumper stayed calm and those on the ground helped. Unbelievable. Wow. 
And finally, Thursday is upon us. That makes today National Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Yes. Uh, Also, it's National Day of Prayer and National Renewal Day. On a lighter note, today is also National Orange Juice Day. Celebrate something distinctly Florida. Absolutely. Forget about California. And National Candied Orange Peel Day. So enjoy. What are you know, I remember these jellied candies. My my grandparents used to give me all the time. They looked like little fruit slices. They were like half slices of yes. orange Ooh, I or lemon those. or mm. lime. I wonder if that's what that candied orange peel is. I don't I remember those. I hadn't thought about those since I was a kid. I know. I used is to... that what that is? Candied orange peel? Nope. It's actually orange peel that you then candy. And what do you do with it? You eat it. Okay. And it's good. It's pretty good. It's not as good as those candies you and I are uh, okay. reminiscing about. Right. Yeah, those, okay. yeah. Okay. I'd go for the full sugar stuff versus the natural stuff. That's just me. <laughs> Get a real buzz on there. <laughs> exactly. right? A sugar high, right? <laughs> hey, you know, we, um, starting today, have um, just changed very slightly the weekly town, uh, a time slot for Dr. Kronhouse and the house call, breaking health and medical news. And he's got a headline here that has gotten everyone's attention well, it's so scary. New research that one-third of the U.S. population, listen, has had a stroke without even knowing it. And this is not age-related. This, this could be anyone in the U.S. population, right? It's what it says here, and it's research from mm-hmm. the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association. And Dr. Kronhaus, who's all over this as uh, the premier cardiologist, I believe, in all of Central Florida— has that on his list of breaking health and medical news items that we're going to hear in a moment on the house call, Deb. Well, the st- stroke, heart disease, the top two killers world over, and especially here in the United States. Dr. K, in a new time, in just a moment, don't miss the house call. It's coming up. Deb, thank you. Of course, bud, anytime. Good deal. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus. Starting today at a new time in this final half hour of Good Morning Orlando on Thursdays. Doc, welcome aboard. It's great to have you with us as always. Great to be with you, bud. You know, you brought us so many house call items about the importance of protecting yourself from the ultraviolet rays of the sun with sunscreen. Now we got a story that raises a red flag about sunscreen. What's going on here? Exactly. It seems like the doctors may have been too effective at getting people out of the sun because, you know, as humans, we're like plants. We do need sun. This is a report from the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association. And vitamin D, it's so important for bone health. It also is important to make sure the nerves, the brains in in your body work well and also to make sure that the immune system can stave off infection. And it's very easy to get a low vitamin D level if you don't get enough sun. And this report is recommending that all of us get out in the sun without sunscreen for five to 30 minutes at midday, at least twice a week. And I would talk to your doctor because it depends on the color of your skin, whether you need a little bit or more of Mm -hmm. this, but all of us need some unprotected sun. I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been doing 10 minutes about three to four days a week of unprotected sun, and then the rest of the time very protected, and that's helping my immune system and my vitamin D level be normal. How about that? Very, very interesting. 
Also, new research surrounding that sweet tooth I've got, and I've got a lot of company in that regard, don't I? <laughs> this is fascinating. This comes out of Cell Metabolism this week, Medical Journal. There's actually a hormone secreted by the liver bud. It's called FGF21. It suppresses the intake of sweets. This hormone level is 50% higher among those who do not like sweets. There appears to be a hormonal basis for the sweet tooth, which is genetically controlled. How about that? And baby aspirin, low-dose aspirin as they also call it. Um, Ladies, you want to listen to this, and it all relates to your level of breast cancer risk. Doc? Breast Cancer Research Journal this week taking low-dose aspirin, that's the 81 milligram, at least three times per week. It may reduce women's risk of breast cancer by a whopping 20%. The findings suggest that low-dose aspirin could be effective for the prevention of breast cancer, but further studies but are needed before recommendations can be made. This next item got our attention to the point that we talked about it before you came on. Here's your headline. One-third of the U.S. population has had a stroke without even knowing it. What's the deal here, Doc? There's so much here. Interrupt me when I'm over time. But 35% of Americans experience symptoms of a warning stroke, yet only about 3% get immediate medical attention. But only a formal medical diagnosis with brain imaging can determine whether you're having a TIA or a stroke. If you or someone know, experience a stroke warning sign that comes on suddenly, whether it goes away or not, just call 911 right away to improve chances of an accurate diagnosis treatment and recovery. The American Stroke Association uses the acronym FAST to help people remember the most common stroke signs. That's face drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, and then time to call 911. Do I have some time to list all the other symptoms that you might watch for? You know, well, yeah, you can if you want. I've got to tell you, earlier in the show, I got tangled up in my words, and we had all taken a look at your headline here, and Yaffe said, what, you have a small stroke in there, bud man? Well, I hope not. <laughs> confusion, trouble speaking or understanding, numbness or weakness of face, arm, or leg, particularly on one side of the body, bud, vision loss in one or both eyes, trouble walking, dizziness, mm. loss of balance or coordination, and unexplained severe uh, headache. These are the symptoms. If you have one or more, get right to the ER. Call 911. You'll get first in line. You know, earlier we had a news item about Governor Scott declaring a statewide emergency over the opioid epidemic in this state. And you've got an opioid-related item on the House call now. Doctors and healthcare providers, but they need to check a patient's drug history to reduce the risk of opioid abuse. State governments, they have a database to track every opioid prescription like Vicodin, Oxycontin, and Percocet, and doctors need to consult them before writing prescriptions. The majority of opioids that people abuse, they start in the medical system as a legitimate prescription. This can prevent doctor shopping for opioids and refilling prescriptions too early. This is a report from the National Bureau of Economic Research this week. Boy, I wish we had more time to continue, but it's great always having you on the house call, and you've settled in uh, just like you've always been uh, in this time slot. And from now on, we're going to bring you the weekly house call with my doctor, Ken Kronhaus from Lake Cardiology, starting in our final half hour at about 8.40. Doc, thank you so much, and have a great rest of the day. Great to be with you at any time. Be well, bud. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Um, Catch a... um, 
uh, catch catch up with my friends at Lake Cardiology, home of Dr. Kronhaus, and schedule an appointment. Uh, home of the BudScan 2.0 Heart Scan Breakthrough. Most insurance will cover the cost of this life-saving heart scan from Dr. Kronhaus, depending on your circumstances. Their number is 352-735-1400. 352-735-1400. And we're proud to carry Doc here on the house call. That's just for us on WFLA. And good morning, Orlando. But the whole country gets to hear him on his nationally syndicated program every Sunday afternoon at 2 here on WFLA. Don't miss Good Day Health with Dr. Ken. Well, we got a little bit of breaking news that the guys have just handed me here concerning the Russians and fighter jets near Alaska and an Air Force escort. I'm going to sort through this and give you the very latest before we go off the air at 9 o'clock. Stay tuned. We'll have that and an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. A little saber-rattling by Vladimir Putin, I think. I thought he's supposed to have had a nice, friendly call with President Trump earlier this week, Yaffe, but... Uh, well, and, and the Democrats say they're best buds, you know, that Trump's practically an agent of Russia. So, you know, I guess there'd be no problem here, that's, right? uh, Yeah, well, yeah. you never know. Anyway, but um, <laughs> I don't know, Vlad apparently is not too happy there. Um, so we'll have to figure out exactly what the deal is. Boy, I've got to tell you, that's a scary piece of research that Dr. Kronhaus reported on, that half the people in this country have suffered some kind of a stroke and don't even know it. I mean, that would obviously be minor, not debilitating. I don't like it. It scares me. It does scare me, you know, and they don't necessarily say it's in any particular age group or anything. That's absolutely frightening. I heard somewhere once a long time ago that when you have deja vu, you're having like a mini stroke. I don't think there's any truth to that. Really? I have yeah. that a lot when I, I show up someplace and I have this sense that I've been exactly there sometime, someplace, and then it fades away. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if that has something to do with it. Well, he made me totally paranoid about me getting all twisted up in my tongue here and my <laughs> You're words. You're going to have to see the doctor. Yeah, when you said to me, there's a little stroke there, bud, man, and now, now of course, I'm afraid I can't even get out of this chair at 9 o'clock. <laughs> in the end, what he described was pretty much what happened to you. You know, I was all excited about you coming back from your vacation. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm not so sure. Hey, I, how, didn't, I give you strokes, I guess. You so. went to see some buddies of yours, longtime friends up in the Rochester, New York area. How yes. was it? It was pretty good, but the economy there is really falling. It's oh, well. really failing. And because of Kodak, Kodak was a big business up there. Well, Rochester used to have all these big corporations. So many yeah. of them moved out. It's really sad. It's still a great area. You're in the Finger Lakes area, and it's all very beautiful there. I told yeah, you the nature's beautiful. Yeah. I, ne- I told you you needed to get on out to um, uh, Niagara Falls. Yeah, did you didn't... listen to the Bud Man? No, I really wish I would have. I did go to Buffalo, and I visited the place that had the original Buffalo wing. Really? Anchor Bar in Buffalo. Well, you're a hot sauce guy, so you love wings, right? How how was that? The original uh, Buffalo Wings. Place. It was good. Not not anything really special, but it, it was good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How cool is that? It's really great to have you back. It Thank really you, is. Yeah. Nice job this morning, Bryce. Always great to have you with us. Three hours on a Thursday morning screening. You going to come back tomorrow? Heck yeah! And don't Bye. you mean uh, Banana Man? You're a Banana Man. Yes. <laughs> we were talking about the sign spinners that they're banning in some towns like Ekoe and. Uh, and Winter Garden, and it turns out you used to be one of them uh, dressed up as a banana roadside. Proud Banana Man. Wow. Awesome. We need to rewrite Piano Man for Banana Man here. (laughs) I I may have to get on that right after the show, assuming I can get out of the chair. All right, we'll see you tomorrow morning. From all of us on the 50,000-watt front porch, thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.